Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. Doug, I got some big news that I think you particularly might be excited about. <laughs> I love big news. Let's hear it. <laughs> uh, I, so I went out. I'm, I'm up in Maryland this weekend. Came here for um, a death in the family and uh, just you know took a few extra days to make the trip more worthwhile, I guess. And uh, I met up with some friends last night at a local brewery in Bel Air where I grew up and mm-hmm. uh, talked to one of them about potentially running a hundred miler next year he uh it's my friend pete he's he ran his first 50 he was he's oh. kind of a long time nomad athlete fan you know pete we, we did the ragnar, ragnar. With him. yep mm-hmm. yeah so he did a 50 and now his brother's trying to get him to do a hundred and uh they're looking at oil creek which is in pennsylvania you probably know about that one right sure yeah fairly uh i think it's a fairly fair i don't want to say easy but it's not a not a doug level course <laughs> <laughs> it's a hundred miles a hundred miler uh, right. But no, Except, yeah, I know. I think, uh, yeah, I know Oil Creek, and that's that's really exciting. Good for Pete. They didn't fire you up and want you to. Yeah, that's so he's things? so he's still he's very uh, he's very iffy on it. I think his brother's more gung ho. He's he's saying maybe, and maybe it was maybe it was that we had a couple beers, but <laughs> he was sort of said if I would do it, then he'd probably do it, and so I was like, oh, maybe I'll, maybe I'll make that happen. I don't know. So anyway, you know what? It's it's actually I have no idea if that will. I, I'd say still. 15% chance that actually happens. But it's at least good to be thinking, thinking. about it. That's right. Yeah. yeah. To be and thinking I, about it at all. And, and hey, 15% is way more than I would have expected last week. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, and I still I still am, I don't know if fascinated is the right word, but that, that I got back into fitness and running via soccer, which I would have never expected, um, is really interesting to me. Just because we've been so oriented... I've been so oriented on goals and, you know, knowing exactly what you're going to do and then going and doing it, uh, but feeling really the furthest thing from motivated for, for running for years. And then uh, the, the soccer made me get back into running just for general fitness, and now it's like just barely starting to think about races again. So it's, I don't know, I think it's a neat thing that, that happened. Yeah, that is, that is really cool. I've been thinking. Yes. I was actually thinking about you all weekend in your hundred miler because Burning River was last weekend, and I had a few friends running it. Oh yeah. Um. So. Yeah. Cool. Your experience is the only experience I had to draw from, <laughs> yeah. as they were out there. So. <laughs> nice. <laughs> cool. Well. Uh, yeah. So I figured you'd be you'd be a little bit excited about that. Yeah, I am. I'm really excited. So That's we great. should uh, we should explain what we are doing here before we get into a little bit of chatter about uh, the episode. Um, we, we, so we're both on vacation for the first time in the history of Nomad Athlete, I think. We're both on vacation in the same time next week. Yeah. And, uh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen to Nomad Athlete? It's going to shut down. <laughs> it's just going to close on the site for the It's going to go quiet. <laughs> we just Everyone put up, like, will wonder if we just shut it down completely, but we haven't. <laughs> <laughs> no. So anyway, yeah, no one's, um, no one's going to notice anything except and because we are proactively scheduling things and uh, getting right. ahead of ourselves a little bit. But we but we kind of didn't plan to the point where we should have for season three of, of No Nobody Athlete Radio, I think. Um, and that's why that's why we're going to do a replay today. Yeah, I know. It feels like a little bit of a defeat because we started season three and 
I don't know. I felt I just I guess you know we sort of we took that four weeks off or whatever it was and then recommitted and said we're gonna we're gonna show up here consistently. But but now we got to do replay, so it feels like we're messing up a little bit. But but it was really just a planning thing. We didn't really think about both being gone at the same time. But yeah, whatever. Anyway, so uh, we are going to replay an interview, and it is the one that we did with uh, Jean Philippe Sir, the Buddhist chef. We did it last fall, and uh, you and I both came away from it very inspired about cooking. Absolutely. So, um, it's a good one. He, I, what we like about him is that he, there are a lot of like internet chefs, I guess, who just pump out recipes, like put a new one out every day or several out a week or whatever. Uh, and he said he deliberately doesn't do that because he couldn't. He said he thinks about the recipes in so much depth and, uh, you know, focuses on simplicity. So part of the effort, I guess, is not putting in a bunch of extra ingredients or extra steps. But he really likes to test the stuff, get it right. He's all into balancing flavors. I think one of his tips, I don't know if it was in, I don't think it was, uh, well, we probably talked about it, but I think somehow I had known that beforehand, that he puts things like maple syrup in uh, tomato sauce to balance the acid. And mm-hmm. I just think, like, I don't I don't necessarily do that. I make a lot of tomato sauce, and I don't often do that. But I, I just sort of came away from this with that little bit of a tip that, I mean, you know, it's not it's not that shocking that sweet balances acid, but just thinking about it more when I do make food, and if something does taste a little bit too acidic, zingy, I will add some sort of sweetener to it to fix that nowadays. So, yeah, actually, I've, learn something. I I did too, and I've been doing the same thing. I, I add a little bit now to uh, my peanut sauce, uh huh, um, a little bit of maple syrup, and actually, just last night I was making tomato sauce and. And added a little bit of maple syrup. Then that's first oh, yeah. time I'd done that. Yeah, but I was like, it just didn't quite balance quite right. And I was like, what should I add? What should I add? And then I thought about this episode. Yeah. So it's kind of a timely thing to. <laughs> that is. That's funny. Yeah. Um. So I recently bought. I've been. I've been on sort of a. Um. I don't think midlife crisis is the right word, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> just sort of trying to figure out. Like, I just. I just need something to really be motivated again with a project to really just dive into. Um, hobby maybe. So I I went. I've spent a lot of time in bookstores recently, just browsing around the cooking section. But um, I bought a book called Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat. Have you heard of that one? No. It has kind of. It's like a big. It's like a textbook shape of book, and has kind of cartoony cover. A lot of cartoony stuff. It's been a New York Times bestseller for, or was a New York Times bestseller for a while. Um, and I think it actually came out maybe the same week as the Nomadathi cookbook last year because I, I knew I had heard of it. But anyway, it's a book. It's it has recipes in it, but it's not a cookbook. It is a book about kind of the theory of cooking. And it, but it, the author, um, whose name I'm probably going to mispronounce, it's Samin Nosrat, I guess. Um, she she her, her the thing is that she has basically boiled down cooking to uh, these four elements, and it's, it's pretty much anyone can learn to cook. Not from recipes, but like really just be a good person who good at making up recipes on your own, hmm. um, with this really simple approach that is I think really interesting, um, because I I've, I've a lot of times wanted to become better at cooking and learn about cooking, but when I look at how to cook type of books, it just there's there's never that kind of structure to it. There's never that kind of organization. So I'm always like, well, okay, there's you can learn 150 different techniques. But like, what's it? What you know? What are you How actually do you put learning them together? Yeah. yeah. So I've really enjoyed reading this book so far, uh, and apparently salt, it's going to become salt, fat, acid, heat. Salt, fat, acid, heat. Yeah, not a vegan cookbook by any means, um, 
so that you know in the fat they talk about animal fats and other things and butter and all that but they also talk about oils and and you can just read those parts if you want is the heat uh like spice or heat as in no heat is is i haven't gotten to that part yet in the book but i did i was wondering that same thing and it is it is the actual true heat not not spiciness okay it's the the part where you heat the food (laughs) (laughs) cooking the um and it's going to become a Netflix series, this book. Or four-part Netflix series. Oh, really? Yeah, in October. I just found that out. That's kind of fun. Yes. So I can just skip the book and watch the Netflix series? I think so. I think, I think that's why they're <laughs> making it, so that nobody has to read. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know what? This, is, this reminds me of something. I went out to lunch yesterday with my mom and sister, and uh-huh. we went to a non-vegan restaurant. Uh, and I just picked out a few vegan things or modified things to make them vegan. And uh, I don't know how it came up, but it occurred to me this would be a good topic to talk about on the podcast. I told my sister that I so much prefer going to regular restaurants and picking out the vegan things or making things into vegan things than going to a vegan restaurant, which seems sort of, I guess, counterintuitive, but she seemed to understand very well you know, where I was coming from. But I was wondering what you think about that. Oh, that is interesting. I I uh I kinda disagree. Yeah. Well I can yeah. see why you would. I mean I, I I definitely do enjoy going to vegan restaurants. And and before I had been to many, like when I first moved to Asheville, right. I remember it just being this crazy feeling that you could look at an entire menu and have any of it. And it was almost overwhelming to have to pick one yeah. because you're so used to not having to make choices, you just pick the only mm-hmm. default thing you can have. But uh We'll see. I see. This this would be this is an interesting discussion because I think that for me, I mean, there's just something so comforting about walking into a restaurant and being able to pick anything off the menu, right? Yep. And, and to ha- have those choices. And so often, um, you know, so often restaurants, you know, will only have something of this a variation of of like one or two things that you can have, right? right? And so, and and if you were to walk into a dozen restaurants, six of those would have a variation of the same two or three dishes. Yeah. That's and that's not exciting. You know, what I, what I do love, I mean, I do love to go to like an Indian restaurant or something like that that is not a vegan Indian restaurant but has a lot of vegan options. Right. You know. I think like, that's that's a fair point. Um, I absolutely love that. But, you know, but like if you're going into a – what type of restaurant was this? It was, it was called Iron Bridge Wine Company. So sort of – I think sort of a new American, maybe French-ish style. No, not French because they didn't have a lot of butter and things. But, um, you know, they, they had a lot of wine bottles on the shelves, and you could pick one mm-hmm. out if you wanted and all that. Um, but just that, I think New American is probably the word for it. Yeah. But here, I mean, so I here's, guess... here's what I just realized, talking to you. Uh-huh. It's, not just, it's not just that I would choose a random restaurant over a vegan restaurant. But if I can look ahead and see the restaurant menu and know that it's a type of place where I'm going to be able to find something vegan or where there are a lot of you know, vegan looking ingredients that you could probably just have a vegan dish of. Yeah. That's what I like. I, I, if it was just roll the dice and pick a, re- or throw a dart at a map and go to that restaurant. If you don't, if you don't pick a vegan one, you're going to end up at one where there's nothing to eat for you at all. Probably. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm, I, I should qualify that if, as long as I'm being deliberate about the restaurant choice. Yeah. It's well, here's something kind of interesting, at least in, in Asheville. I mean, there's, there's a couple a couple of vegan restaurants that are that are unique in their own way, but um, you know, a lot of the restaurants are like 
soul food or like sandwiches, you know, with a bunch of fake meats or, um, you know, or meat alternatives or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, there aren't a ton of like, there's not like a, an Italian, vegan Italian restaurant, right? right. Or like a vegan, I don't know, French restaurant. <laughs> right. um, or, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like there's not, there's not a ton of variety in the, in the type of right. foods that you get at the vegan restaurants. Right. Um, they're all kind of big sandwiches, high carb. Yeah. You know, like. Yep. And um, that is, that's related to my rationale for saying this. And yeah, it was just that when I you, that. like, I think it's nice to go, I feel like vegan restaurants generally, there's not a whole lot of authenticity or like, I don't know, depth of exploration of a type of food. It's, mm-hmm. there's 15 things. And like you said, there's a fake crab cake. Well, this is in Maryland. There's a fake crab cake. There's a, there's a, I don't know what, some sort of mock buffalo chicken sandwich. There's wraps, there's salad. Right. And, I mean, but so I would so much rather, like you said, go to an Indian restaurant, find an authentic dish, and maybe mm-hmm. they need to modify one thing to actually make it vegan for you. Uh, or an Italian restaurant is another great example. You can find plenty of Italian food that is vegan if you just know how to look for it and what to watch out for, which mainly is the cheese and the eggs in pasta if you're not, if it's fresh pasta. Um, and so I just think it's so much, such a more interesting experience than just going and, I don't know, getting a, as much as I like buffalo chicken, getting a <laughs> buffalo vegan chicken sandwich. Right. No, so, I, I, I get that. I see what you're saying. I, I see exactly what you're saying. Good. You know, the best, well, the best case is when you go to a restaurant that, um, like has a vegan menu, right. Or has like a whole vegan section, but is like, a. yes, agreed. I don't know. I mean, you know, uh, like there's a Japanese restaurant in town that does sushi and they have like a whole like vegan sushi section and it's delicious. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And and a correspo- or a corollary to this argument is that non-vegan cookbooks are better than vegan cookbooks generally. And if you just if you find one that has a lot of vegan-looking recipes, like I just I just ordered one from Amazon called uh, uh, Osteria. It's like mm-hmm. a Italian regional restaurants. They went and picked out good dishes from them, and I was just leafing through it, and it had tons of recipes that were you know vegan except they had cheese added at the end. And I just can't wait to get through that book. It just, it just that that is so much more interesting to me than than I don't know <laughs> the Nominati cookbook. For example. <laughs> no, don't say that. <laughs> no, I mean, and I don't, again, like I don't know that I feel like we're kind of putting down vegan cookbooks and vegan restaurants, and I am so of course not we right. I, of course, you know, we. Well, I'm very grateful and thankful that people are doing that, and that. Yeah, I mean, I love obviously. I love so many. So there are so many good vegan cookbooks that I just love. Yeah. Working through, and it's so okay. nice to not have to not have to make adjustments and not have to, I don't know, pay that much attention to like you know yep. each and every single ingredient. Um, just like going out to a vegan restaurant, it is so nice to not have to think about yeah. what you're ordering and just yeah. order off. The, agreed about that. And and I, I want to walk back a statement I just said, which was <laughs> uh, the best case is when there's a vegan menu at a non-vegan restaurant. The very best case would be to have like a really authentic restaurant. Uh, yes. You know, Totally agree. That's hundred percent vegan, right? That would that, be the very that best. That would be the true best. And those do exist sometimes. I mean, you, you like, I've been to a Chinese restaurant that was all vegan, and it was like, you know, much. Yeah, of Chinese you're right. Meat, they you do know. exist. There aren't many, but no, they do. They there aren't not around here anyway. I bet you know. I bet that in some bigger cities. Oh yeah, you I'm have sure. a lot of that. I'm sure. 
All right. That was interesting, well, Matt. I'm glad you brought that up. I know. We could do a whole episode off of that. We could have we a could debate. Do. A whole maybe, episode. Maybe. That'd, be, that'd be interesting. Maybe we will. All right. Well, um, let's get to The Buddha Chef, and uh, we'll be back following a normal Nomadathi radio schedule uh, the week after this one. And The Buddha Chef is, of course, 100% vegan, and all of his recipes are. And right. they are uh, really, they're really interesting. They're not just, um, you know, he, he looks at some really, he comes from a classically trained French background, yes, right? Yes, that's so, right. Um, and he makes a lot of, like, classical dishes that are, that are made vegan, but they're really interesting. So, yep. Bucking so, the trend. There you go. Peter Chef. That's right. All right. <laughs> Talk to everyone soon. All right. Bye-bye. Have a happy vacation. Yeah, you too. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. Hey everyone, Matt and Doug here. We are with Jean-Philippe Sir, who is known as the Buddhist chef and uh, somebody we are big fans of. We often link uh, Jean-Philippe to your recipes in our Academy newsletter. Uh, I don't know if it's every week, but but very often, and I think sometimes even more than more than one recipe per week. Um, we just we just like your stuff. We like your philosophy, and uh, I'm excited to learn more about you and your brand. Because honestly, as much as I think your recipes are cool, I don't know that much about uh, you or your brand, and it's it's sort of. Uh, cryptic or mysterious when i when i go to your site there's not a whole lot of information about who you are and what That's you do right. uh which is kind of cool so uh, i guess to to get us started can you just talk a little bit about the like why is it called the buddha chef what's the connection and uh, you know are you actually buddhist or is that just sort of a, a you know a name that that conveys a, a certain style of cooking or way of thinking about food uh i'm glad to be here hi guys uh <laughs> First of all, yes, I'm Buddhist, but uh, Buddhism, it's, it's a philosophy and it's a religion. In my case, I believe in the philosoph- philosophical uh, side of it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, I did a lot of uh, retreats and I cook at, uh, at a retreat sometimes. And those meditators, they are my, my guinea pigs, you know what I mean? <laughs> I tried my recipes on them and if it works, I put it up on the, on the website. Cool. Okay. So, what what makes it work? Like to a to a meditator, right? Is it, is it something special, or just if it if it's a good recipe that people like? I mean, my recipes are simple. I always try to remove ingredients because some chefs they like to to put more ingredients, and uh, at one point it's like it's kind of saturated with taste, you know, because you put sweet, you put salt, you put everything, and at one point you you can't differentiate anything on the recipe. And uh, I think great chefs, they tend to simplify as much as they can the recipes. And I want everybody to be able to open the cupboards and, oh, I've got everything to do the recipe. You know, when you see a recipe on the Internet and there's like 200 ingredients, it's kind of discouraging. Sure. Yeah, I would say that uh, that simplicity more than anything, uh, aside from, from the, the recipes we share are vegan, um, that simplicity to me is what it is that makes your stuff special and, and the reason that we often choose it to share. Um, I guess, you know, Buddhism is something that I've explored a good bit. I would agree for me, it has also been more the philosophical side than, than the religious yeah. side. Um, mm-hmm. I don't by any means, you know, pretend or claim to be an expert in it. It's just something I've, I've dabbled in, I guess, read a few books. Uh, certainly there's the vegetarian connection. Uh, are your, I know you talk about your recipes being plant-based, I believe. Uh, are your recipes all vegan, or is that just the ones that we have picked out? Have happened? No, it's it's all it's 100% vegan. I'm vegan. And uh, when you cook at a temple or at a meditation center, 
sometimes they use eggs right. because it's a matter of they they, they don't want to uh, to to in an egg it, it they don't consider an egg uh, uh, to be alive. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. But uh, those recipes, most of the Buddhist center, they are vegetarian. And um, yeah, the, the connection is when you get there, you do a retreat, for example, you don't only get to the, uh, the point where you don't cook meat, but you get to a point where you, don't, you behave in a way not to hurt any creatures. So if there's a, a, a mouse, you know, if, if you have a, a mice problems in the kitchen, you can't just get rid of the mice, you know. Mm-hmm. You have to 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 keep the place clean enough not to have a problem with mice, or with spiders, or with anything. So it's it's good to immerse yourself in this kind of environment, and to make you realize, oh, this it's just it's just a fly, you know. It's just a it's just a, a spider. But when you come back to your real life, you know you're more compassionate uh, towards all creatures. Because I think that's, that's the root of Buddhism. It's compassion and karma, which is the connection between uh, action and reaction. So if at one point all of our actions uh, create a, uh, a reaction, whether it's with, with, if you eat animals, an animal is going to have to suffer. So that's that's the Buddhist uh, point. Were you into Buddhism before you started going to, uh, and started cooking at these retreats, or were they what inspired you to kind of begin thinking this way? I was interested in Buddhism for uh, twenty years, but even when you're you're you go to retreats and you don't already make the connection, that's that's what amazing. It, you can read as many books as you like, but if you don't make the connection between the beliefs and uh, your uh, your actions. I mean, it's not. Uh, at one point, you have to 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 ask yourself, am I am I doing it for me, for myself, or for the good of of all all beings? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so- yes, I was very interested in Buddhism as a philosophical. Uh, subject, you know, but uh, to integrate it, I think it you need a switch, you need a a, a spark. Sure, makes sense. So I here I can imagine someone listening to this because I'm kind of doing it myself, saying, "All right, cool. It sounds like Buddhism is about being compassionate to animals and not wanting to kill mice or spiders, and you know, having having the the." mindfulness compassion to like you said not just eradicate the problem but but do something that, that doesn't create a problem in the first place um that's right but someone listening to this so i had i not already explored some buddhism uh i might say well i'm vegan and being vegan has already made made me that way right i've already gotten that way yeah. so i don't yeah. need buddhism or i don't need further buddhism would you say that is a, a fair thing to say? Like, could could veganism kind of be a path to to this way of thinking? Because sure. honestly, that's probably how I how I got interested in Buddhism just just from the way of that my course. mind kind of changed when I started eating this way. And compassion is compassion, whenever it, it comes from, you know. But for me, the spark was more like 
when I was uh, I was a chef for many years in in many restaurants, and obviously when you cook in high end restaurants, you have to cook meat. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't do a career without cooking ducks and steak, and especially me because I was a ducks, kind not of dogs, right? Yeah, that's in many in many countries it's dog, but that's another that's another point, <laughs> right. you know. Okay, good. But at one point I was on the countryside. I just moved to the countryside, and uh, I, I was hired to by by a traiteur, as they say in French, you know, to do a banquet with the mayor and all. There was there was four hundred people, and it was uh, at a funeral home. <laughs> that's crazy, <laughs> but it was it was at the funeral home, and we were serving a lamb. And I was in charge of cooking the lamb, and there was just two, two, uh, two ovens there, and that was a nightmare. And at one point, just I, I, I think just seeing all of those lambs, I, it, it, creates, it created something in, in me. And I realized it was like a revelation for me. I could picture all of those animals. You know what I mean? And when you serve lamb to 400 people, I don't know if you know what I mean, but it's a lot of meat. It's mm-hmm. a lot of animals. And people were just picking at those foods, you know? And when I, I, I saw those plates coming back, uh, some of them were, were full. I was like, we're very spoiled as, as a society. How, how dare we, I mean, killing animals for entertainment, and for high-class uh, restaurants, and not even touching it. I mean, that's crazy, right? So that's where the connection was made for me between all of those theoretical, theoretical philosophy, Buddhist philosophy of compassion and karma and whatever, and real life when you see the suffering that, that is caused by our, our way of, uh, of living. So, so was it was it during that after that event that you decided to yes, stop cooking meat? Yes, yes, that's right. So were after you, that, I quit been, the, the, the restaurant business. Then? Sorry, were you vegetarian or vegan at all before then? I was like flex flexitarian. I started okay. in the vegetarian restaurants like twenty five years ago. I'm forty three. I started at twenty hmm. uh, working in uh, vegetarian restaurants in uh, in Quebec. So I was very into when you were when you're a foodie, you're interested in food, you're interested in any kind of food, you know, ethnic uh, cooking, uh, vegetarian, vegan, uh, you know, vegan wasn't very invented 20 years back, I guess. Mm-hmm. It was more like vegetarian. And those guys were not now it's athletes. It's, uh, you know, well educated people in the, the when I grew up in the 80s, that was my 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 aunt, you know, that was uh, kind of weird, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It wasn't that long ago. Even, even. I mean, I think it was weird five years ago. Maybe it's yeah, still. Right. Maybe it still is, and we're just more into it now. It's not weird to us. I don't yeah, know. but back then in the eighties, we we suffered a lot with uh, those uh, here millet, millet pies, and it was very dry. It was, right, it wasn't eatable, you know. Yeah, and tofu. People, my mother used to boil tofu, and uh, that was disgusting. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, certainly and it's a lot come a long of people, way. They, 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 they get, uh, they've been uh, marked by this, this uh, first try of our mother's 
to make us eat broccoli and uh, not so good uh, vegetarian meal and uh, microwaved oven uh, tofu and stuff like that. So now it's now I mean there's a lot of way now to make food uh, tasty. Uh, not just tofu, I mean, beans and tempeh and everything. And with, through ethnic uh, cooking too. I mean, Thai kitchen, I, I've traveled to uh, Thailand a lot. I've, I've learned how to cook there. Went to the market with uh, some chefs. And uh, I mean, it's amazing what you can do there with no meat. I mean, they, they, they use meat sometimes, but it's more like a seasoning, you know? Mm-hmm. And can you go there and be taken seriously as a chef when when you say... I, and I don't know if when you went here was after you decided you were going to be vegan uh, or a vegan chef, but like can, I, I just always pictured that if you go to Thailand and go to the market and, or the restaurant and say I I don't want any of that fish sauce in my food or whatever, like that that you would just be laughed at. Like it, can, can it be taken seriously? I know there's not that much of of meat in the, in the culture, but I just figured it kind of shows up in everything a tiny amount. Um, do people like take it seriously the idea that you don't want to have it? Yeah, they, they, you you still have to go to the vegetarian or vegan restaurants there. If okay. you want to make sure, mm-hmm. because those guys, uh, I've known a lot of people that uh, went there and uh, they had uh, food allergies, for example, you know, and they just going to remove the shrimp on your plate. It's not it's, it doesn't work like that, you know, right. but wherever you travel now, of course, if you travel to big cities, especially near a university or uh, I mean, in Boston or in New York or in Montreal, it's pretty easy now to get uh, vegan food, decent vegan food everywhere. But uh, in, when you, you go to foreign countries like this, I mean, it's, it's more difficult. But you have to, to find the right, uh, the right uh, restaurants. Sure. And, and where do you live now? I live in Quebec. In Quebec, okay. Yeah. Do, do you cook at a restaurant there or do you do the online thing as your full-time? I just work? do the online thing now. I, uh, I have a book uh, coming out in two weeks in French. And uh, because I have a French side of my uh, my page too, right. my website is bilingual. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, that's right. I live uh, near Montreal and uh, I travel a lot. Uh, my wife is a doctor, so she has to do those, to attend those conferences. So unfortunately, I have to go with her to uh, to the States often. And uh, we just came from, uh, came, come back from New York when we tried a lot of vegan restaurants. And uh, that's where I get uh, most of my inspiration too, because uh, when you're a chef and you've been working in restaurants for a while, you can you taste something and you can tell what's in it, you know, hmm. and you can tell the the methods that they use to to make it uh, to make it this way. And uh, that's I think that's my strength because a lot of there's a lot of vegan bloggers out there, but. Most of them get their inspiration from Pinterest or uh, I don't know where. And of course, it, it's good to have a, uh, to look at pictures and, and, and things like that. But to make a very good recipe that works, that is simple and that everybody's going to like, I mean, it's, it's, it's harder, mm-hmm. you know, and it's the consistency of a recipe is very important. If you make a recipe uh, twelve times it, and uh, five times out of twelve times, it's it's, it's you're gonna <laughs> it tastes good. It's, I mean, it's it's not gonna be in my book. You know what I mean? Right. Sure. So so speaking of of cooking and and I guess taking it more seriously maybe than the typical Pinterest Instagram goer, um, 
<clears throat> I know you mentioned that you you uh, on your site that you were classically trained to have a classical cooking background. Where what yes. is that background? Like where did you study and and what uh, I know you said you meant you've cooked in plenty of restaurants, but as far as education goes, um where did you do that? It's uh in Quebec City. It's uh French cuisine. It's a two years uh formation to work in uh in restaurants. So you go you start with uh, chopping vegetables for a couple of months and then you move to soups and then you move to 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 sauces and then you move on to uh main dishes and uh amazingly there's no vegan uh, <laughs> vegan recipes in that formation because french the <laughs> classic french kitchen is everything but vegan i would sure. say but those techniques i mean french if they can make you uh cook brain for example and simus uh, which is a gland riz de veau and uh you know liver and uh, kidneys and if you can make those things taste good i mean tofu is an easy one you know what i mean <laughs> and so do you think that's an important I, I don't want to say important as in like everyone has to do that but do you think that you are a better chef not not because you went to these schools that that you know you otherwise couldn't have gone not these schools but this school you couldn't have otherwise gone there if you weren't willing to cook meat like do you think the actual learning of how to how to prepare different you know very non-vegan dishes like has that helped you as a chef and help you prepare better vegan food or or is of it sort course. of just a totally different thing it does of course it's the same thing i mean if you do a sauce for example when you're when i wasn't vegan i would start with bones lamb bones and and i would grill it i would broil it on the oven and i would build i would build a sauce starting from those scratch those those uh those vegetables but now i just use vegetables but it's the same technique mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. i have a roasted uh vegetable soup it's the same thing you're roasting you're roast by roasting the vegetables on in the oven you you bring out those this this grilled flavor you know this earthy flavor this this depth that you can't have with with just uh, boiling vegetables for example and vegan and vegetarian cooking it's another language too because you to 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 have this sweetness and this depth of taste you have to use uh like ingredients like miso for example mm -hmm. and uh, soy sauce and i use a lot of maple syrup because we don't realize it but milk cream butter uh meat it's sweet you know so sometimes when you don't use cream or because it's in French restaurant, it's pretty easy. You just put a stick of butter in everything, and it tastes good. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. But when you don't have this, the, those tools, you have to to develop another language to go for more uh, ethnic techniques. Sometimes more ethnic uh, ingredients, and the Asian cooking is very, very uh, fr vegan friendly because they have those fermented soy sauce soy sauce is a fermented salt that's that's what it is and it's it brings out a, a, a depth of flavor for example i put soy sauce in the maple syrup and my spaghetti sauce people go like oh you're crazy what are you doing you put <laughs> maple uh you put the uh, you know asian inspired ingredients in in a spaghetti sauce which is italian but i mean it works the taste is good and that's the most important thing because if you want to go vegan, there's a lot of people that uh, that are very good at uh, at uh, 
inspiring people to go vegan, but I, I'm at the other end of the spectrum. I'm, I'm, I'm not the stick, I'm more of the, the carrot, you know what I mean? I'm going to show you a recipe and I'm going to help you to, to stay vegan for, you know, because sometimes people, they just don't know where to stop, where to start. I mean, they start with, uh, okay, everybody write to me, uh, I want to go vegan. Where do I start? Because my family, they're not going to, they're not going to like uh, Indian inspired dish uh, right off the bat, you know? Mm hmm that's very interesting I, this is this is giving me uh, a new level of respect for the, for the recipes on your site i just i'm starting to you know as, as i was looking at the site and kind of preparing for this interview i was thinking man there's not not all that many recipes here like it's sort of interesting that this guy's is, is has such a big facebook following and such a big audience when it's relatively few recipes compared to blogs that have 600 recipes in their in their list um that's right what, I, what i'm realizing be- now is that they're they're really well thought out and like potentially good versatile bases for other things and that you know really like you said dependable recipes um which i think is i just have a, have a new level of respect suddenly for these and uh i think that's really great the soy sauce thing actually is funny i have re- i've been cooking a ton of italian food recently that's kind of just been for whatever reason that's what i like cooking the most and uh a lot of like handmade pastas and things like that and they're mm-hmm. they're surprisingly easy to make vegan you really don't need egg in most yeah. of those things um but the soy sauce, I've started putting that in tomato sauces often when they call for pancetta to kind of be like yeah. a like a beginning uh, part of it. I'll, I'll use soy sauce instead of salt because it, it seems to add this richness as well as saltiness without yes. any real smokiness, uh, like you might find from from you know using a, a vegan bacon or something. So yeah. uh, it, it's just interesting to hear you say that because I, I have stumbled upon that same exact thing. Yeah, that's the that's that's you. It means that you understand the language of vegetarian, vegan cooking you know mm-hmm. you're gonna substitute you're gonna find a way to substitute those uh ingredients to get more depth of flavors you know yeah, and so- that's what uh and try maple syrup i mean it sounds strange but sometimes there's something missing in a recipe you're like what's missing i'm gonna put some more salt uh more spices more of everything just put a, ma- a, a tablespoon of maple syrup in it and it's gonna it's gonna make it uh pop you know <laughs> i just i actually just this morning saw a comment on one of your recipes uh where you had maple syrup in something i forget what it was maybe a maybe it was the tofu peanut butter tofu recipe and somebody yeah. said why do you use so much maple syrup and everything or why are you always adding maple syrup and then you said there's to balance the acidity or something which i thought was just funny it's funny to hear you say yeah, that now. it's to balance the acidity try to try tomato sauce with no no sugar no anything sweet at all uh-huh. i mean if it's if you can have a garden and it's uh, it's a tomato season and everything is sweet perfect but i mean sure. with canned tomatoes and stuff like that but i mean i don't hold back on flavors and i think that you have to be bold and of course, I would uh, if I would listen to uh, the comments. Sometime I would just go, "Oh, uh, I'm gonna hold back on maple syrup. It's dry, <laughs> but maple syrup everywhere." But those comments are from people that didn't do my recipes, that didn't taste it, you know. Uh-huh. Because pe- when, pe- when people uh, do my recipes, they're like, "It's so simple, and my family likes it. Mm. Isn't like it amazing?" That. Because sometimes. Uh, you go vegan, but uh, it doesn't mean that your kids want to eat uh, tofu all day long, you know. So when they uh, they actually find a recipe that please uh, the husband or the, the the wife or the other person or or the kids, they're like, okay, that's a, that's a no brainer. Th- th- every Thursday now, it's gonna be <laughs> general sauce tofu. You know what I mean? Uh huh. <laughs> 
So I'm curious how you, what your process is for developing these recipes. I mean, are you, are you just putting together something and it tastes great and you're like, all right, I could turn this into a recipe or are you, are you going back to the drawing board a lot? You know, I you, start usually with a protein, whether it's tofu or tempeh or uh, seitan or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I usually look around and I go to the grocery store and I live in the countryside. So if I can't find in, an ingredient at my shop, uh, my local shop, I'm going to substitute it because I don't want people to go to, 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 to go to New York, you know, and to quit their job to, to be able to, to cook my recipes. <laughs> so usually I'm very good at substitution. So I'm going to start with an idea and, uh, it's pretty straightforward from there because when I, I used to work in restaurants and the chef would go like, okay, we have this, so you have to you have to uh, to do a recipe with that. And I was very good at cleaning the fridge. They were very happy because the food cost, whenever I was working in a restaurant, they were like, oh, it's amazing that the food cost dropped a lot because, <laughs> I mean, we don't throw anything on the garbage anymore. It's not because it wasn't good anymore. But when you have like 50 pounds of mushroom, you have to find a way to get to 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 cook it, you know, properly. So that's basically the the job of the the, the job of a real cook of a chef. It's to create recipes, you know. Sometimes line, line cooks their job is not to to create recipes. It's to do the recipes. But I was more I was more uh, I'm I'm more creative. So uh, my strength is. You, you present me with everything and I can cook it and I, I can make it delicious. Because cooking, it's, it's taking something that is basically uneatable and make it palatable, you know what I mean? So, uh, I mean, there's, there's food combinations that go well together. Maple syrup, soy sauce, uh, or you go for more uh, Mexican, like uh, cumin and coriander. And, uh, but there's, it's instinct, but the simplest, the simpler, the better, I would say. Cool. So we mentioned, uh, we mentioned your Facebook following and your blog, and I want to get to the, I want to, I want the answer here. How, how did you grow (laughs) this big giant Facebook following where you get 3000 people liking your posts, um, without putting up that much blog content i mean you got what 100 recipes on here maybe maybe not probably not even that many yeah um you have a blog that it looks like is now defunct right no no blog posts or anything that are now visible i hope is that on purpose (laughs) yeah i mean basically it's recipes and it recipes that works i would have doubled this amount of following if i would have put out a recipe every week or Mm -hmm. three times a week but I mean, I want people to do my. Re- I don't want to put out a recipe that doesn't work, and I don't want to put a recipe put out a recipe that has two thousand in- two thousand ingredients that nobody's gonna make. I want to, uh, and uh, honestly, I don't really know how it 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 uh, it has grown so fast because I'm not really into tech, and uh, I'm very bad at. Uh, <laughs> Technology. I had to learn how to shoot my videos by myself because uh, because I had to because I'm by myself in this uh, this adventure. But uh, basically, I think it's the recipe and it's people sharing the recipes. Because cool. anytime I put out a recipe, it has to work because I know that an hour later someone's gonna post a picture of the recipe because 
sometimes uh, most of the time they have all the ingredients and, <laughs> and that's what is cool about cool about uh, the internet I'm, I'm myself I myself cook recipes from the internet I, I don't take recipes literally but uh, you know when you see a recipe and you, you have everything on your fridge isn't it amazing <laughs> you don't even you, uh-huh. that's sorted out for for to, for tonight you know yeah but and, uh, yeah that's uh, I mean I'm, I'm amazed every time I open my Facebook account and I see all of those comments and uh, I'm very great, grateful for to people for following my recipes but I, I, I just try to to help people and I'm not thinking uh, vegan people you know mm-hmm. I'm not try I'm trying I'm, I'm always thinking of my sister-in-law that lives in con- in the countryside that has two kids and that just want to eat less meat you know and she doesn't know where to start you know yeah so I like I, that I, yeah, I'm gonna start with the spaghetti sauce. I always tell people, start with your recipes, your fav- favorite recipes, your uh, shepherd's pie or your spaghetti sauce or whatever, and uh, try to put tofu instead of meat. And most of the time, people they they, they just don't uh, they don't realize there's tofu instead of meat. You know. <laughs> I like that. We we often think of uh, do the same thing, right? We're we're trying to appeal to beginners, and as much as our you know our audience is certainly a strong core of, uh, of vegans, but we as much as possible try to kind of preach this small step, start where you are approach. Uh, you know, it's okay if you can only do so much, and you don't you can't go vegan overnight. Like we we like all that. I think that's a really great message, and, and I have no doubt that that. And you mentioned the simplicity of your recipes that people can just can just make them because they have the stuff there. And as I was looking through them, I noticed exactly that. Um, I certainly, that's a, a huge, huge part of it. Uh, yeah, but because, I mean, it's, we don't live in a magic uh, world, you know, where everybody's going to watch a video on the internet and they're going to turn vegan uh, overnight, you know. Yeah. People, sometimes they're, they're going to start with one animal. With uh, they're gonna stop uh, eating pigs, or for example, because they, they think it looks like the, their dog, or for many reasons, and they're gonna start by. Uh, I, I like to nudge people into it, you know. Start by uh, meatless Monday, and then meatless Tuesday, and uh, but I think the key is the recipes, and it has to taste good, because. If you you announce to your family, okay, tonight it's very it's a vegan meal, and it's this they taste it and it tastes like a weed. Or, uh, they're not gonna, be, you know, they're not gonna stick to it. But if it tastes good, at one point they don't care if there's no meat in it, you know. Yes, yeah, I agree. I think that is super important. Yeah, and one thing I love about uh, your videos is that. You know, there's there's a lot of videos online right now. There's like little demo videos that are two minutes long. Um, and they just kind of show you how to do it. But most of them leave out just huge chunks of it. So when you watch the video, you really have no idea what you're doing. But I actually think I could follow your videos and still cook the, the food. And it would be... Yeah, yeah. And some people told me, well done. oh, it's boring. We don't want to see you uh, cutting vegetables. I mean, that's part of the recipe. <laughs> I like that. That's, that's right. like, I mean, that's, that's zen-like to me to watch somebody chopping, chopping vegetables <laughs> on, a, on a video. Yeah, I that's like right. That. So and one, yeah, and there's an amazing fact because my, I'm with my wife for ten years now, and she was very meat and potato, and she she didn't cook for a very long time, and she started cooking actually with my videos. <laughs> one day I, I came back home and she was doing cookies. <laughs> Watching it, and she was like, "Oh, it's amazing! I can stop the video, <laughs> and put the flour, and put the sugar, and restart the video." I was like, "Isn't it amazing?" <laughs> <laughs> 
And one thing I want to say to people that uh, that that don't know anything about cooking: start with cookies, start with muffins, start with uh, maybe cake or something fun, you know. And then you can move on to more elaborate dish, or with a soup, for example, or uh, you know, because it has to be fun in the beginning because it can be very intimidating to especially work work with heat when you don't know how how the stove works or uh, you you you're scared of cutting your fingers or you know but just to get interested get your kids interested in cooking by doing st- fun stuff you know like cookie cookies and muffins and stuff like this i like that my daughter and i just this weekend made uh Made cecamariti, which is a an Italian pasta that you that you roll by hand, and it. Uh, it's, oh yeah, it's a nice little little. Yeah, kids, dumpling. they like to touch food. They like to play yeah. with food. They if totally. you if you, then you nudge them, you encourage them. They're gonna. And I mean, the only way to know what's your what's in your your plate is to cook it. Seriously, I mean, some of my recipes have oil, have sugar, have. But if you did the cake, you're not gonna eat the old cake because you're gonna realize, oh man. There's like half a cup of oil in it, you know? So by cooking, you realize if you cook French fries, for example, that's a lot of work to cook homemade French fries. So you're not going to eat French fries every day, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So it's not like cooking your food and you're going to realize that, oh boy, there's sugar in it. So I'm just going to have a little bit of cake with a lot of fruits on it, maybe, you know? Yep, it's just, I mean, I think, uh, again, to go back to the Buddhist theme, it just introduces this this element of mindfulness into your cooking that, unfortunately, most people these days just don't have, right? We just we just buy whatever or... or you know, we just... want a quick fix. We want a quick solution. <laughs> I try to propose a quick solution while cooking, you know? Because cooking the general sauce tofu or the uh, my peanut butter spicy tofu, it's it's faster than ordering in a pizza, you know? <laughs> it takes like 15 minutes and it's healthy and you know what you put in it and you can balance it and you can accord it to your family's taste if they like it more sweet you put a little bit more maple syrup if they, they like it uh, with less with less maple syrup you, you, you can adjust you know and if they like uh, they don't like some kind of ver- vegetables you can put you can substitute it for another kind of vegetable so uh, that's that's the secret of home cooking. It's uh, at one point you know you know what are your uh, crowd pleasers too. Awesome, I like it. So one more thing about the the website, just be, because I, this, as always, whenever we have a, a chef on, I, it inspires me to want to uh, be, be more serious and better about cooking. Um, so I'm definitely going to cook a lot more of your recipes. But uh, for those who might be similarly inspired and say, "Hey, I want to do what what John Philippe is doing, and I want to I want to make my own." site and i'm going to grow this massive facebook audience um well i mean is is that really all that you have have had to do i mean obviously you've put in a lot of work to making nice videos even if you say they're not high tech um they are nice and tasteful and your photos are tasteful as well uh is it is it as simple as make good content in the form of good recipes keep your facebook posts updated and make some good videos or or i mean are, are there tricks and things that you've that you've had to do um to get it to the level where it is, like just just social media, you know, getting people to share or whatever. Have you had to do other stuff, or can someone just start cooking good food and sharing it? And you think that's that's enough? I mean, first be useful. I mean, if you're useful on this web era, 
people are gonna find you because you 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 put out informations you know about uh about uh for in my case it's cooking and there's a reason why i don't have a yoga page for example you know it's because i suck at yoga i'm not a yoga teacher i'm a chef you know so do what you like and what you enjoy and don't wait to be uh the top uh, of your uh, in your in your business to to start a, a facebook page or any page there you're always going to have something to teach someone you know whether you're just into cooking for a few months or uh, i mean just go out there and uh, everybody has a camera use video that's for sure because uh, with facebook uh if you use video i mean you're you start ahead because of the autoplay and uh be entertaining be yourself and be useful that's the most important thing be useful and as those algorithm uh things i think now you can you can find people people are going to tell you okay if you post on this day if you post on this at this time if you post three times a week five times a week 20 times a day it's going i mean there's no recipe and it's an algorithm and i think facebook and youtube people that work there don't even know what the algorithm is doing nowadays mm. it's all artificial intelligence so if of course don't post in the middle of the night or or if you want to reach australians maybe but uh, post post on Facebook and get involved in the community. Go comment, uh, post your videos, share your things on vegan groups, for example. I mean, it's useful if you go. Don't spam, but if I make a recipe, I'm glad to share it with people and to go to go to uh, vegan groups and say, "Hey, that's my recipe. Want to look at it?" I mean, don't be shy to get uh, to get in front of the camera or just to film uh, a recipe. Uh, and as I told, you're always ahead of someone, and you always have some something to teach to people. But be useful. I mean, I don't I don't put out so much uh, selfies because I, I don't I don't really think selfies is gonna help anybody uh, on the internet. There's there's enough selfies in this world, but. <laughs> If I, if I if I I can fix your problem, you have a problem, you don't know what to eat tonight. I can fix your problem. People are gonna are gonna, are gonna share your uh, your your stuff. That's for sure. All right, there you go. I think that is a, a perfect place to end it. This uh, this has been really fun, inspiring for me, and uh, I I just love the Buddhist connection. I love uh, I love how this how this little interview turned out, and uh, I think you're doing some great stuff. So. Uh, for anyone who wants to check it out, it is at thebuddhistchef.com. And that is that if you just go to buddhistchef.com, will that work too, or do you have to have the in there? Uh, no, I think if you Google uh, the Buddhist chef, you're gonna end up on my page. And there's a book okay. coming. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna translate the the book uh, in English. That's for sure this this year uh, because I have a lot of request request for a book, even though. Those recipes are available on the website, but for the book, it's going to be 75% brand new recipes. Okay. Very exciting recipes, too. Nice. And the book will be called The Buddha Chef? Uh, yeah, that's for sure. Good. 2018, hopefully. We're working on it. Uh, but uh, yes, it's going to be uh, very good. Otherwise, you can find me on Facebook, uh, thebuddhistchef.com, as well on the internet machine. 
<laughs> yeah. All right. Well, John awesome. thank you so much. This has been great, and uh, look forward to to being in touch and, and doing something together in the future. Thank you so much, guys. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye bye. All right, Doug. That was fun. That was a good interview. Thank you to Jean Philippe Sir and the Buddhist Chef for coming on. Uh, I am inspired as ever. Absolutely. Me. Me too. I really am. Good. Well, hope everybody liked it. Uh, I do want to put one fi- final reminder in there that our first hangout for Nomad Athlete Tribe is tonight, the day this podcast goes live, Thursday, October fifth, eight p.m. Eastern, with Sid Garza Hillman. We're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, it's not going to be just a dry Q and A session. We're going to just hang out, and uh, I'm really looking forward to, to getting to know members and hanging out there. So, if you want to join us there and continue to support the show, it is nomadathlete.com/tribe. <laughs>